Welcome to the Proper Lookout Podcast, published by the Statutory Insurance Group of McCabe Kerwood. In this series, our CTP experts will discuss a range of topics, sharing their thoughts on an industry trend or an intriguing legal issue, explaining the intricacies of an important case, and hopefully imparting some of the knowledge that they have gained. Hi there, listeners. This is Peter Hunt, and I am back in the proper lookout today to discuss the concept of pre-accident weekly earnings, which is, of course, relevant to the stat benefits part of the Motor Accident Injuries Act, otherwise known as MIA. Before we get started, I just wanted to say that I've heard a number of nicknames for pre-accident weekly earnings. Some people call it PAWE, others call it POR, others call it POWE, and I think others still call it POWE. I'm going to use the nickname POWE because that comes most naturally to my individual speaking pattern. So starting at the beginning, POWI is relevant only to the first two entitlement periods when it comes to weekly benefits under Part 3 of Maya. Just to recap, the first entitlement period is weeks 1 to 13 post-accident, and the second entitlement period is weeks 14 to 78. During that period, the way weekly benefits are calculated is based on a a formula where the starting point is to determine the injured person's pre-accident weekly earnings, or POWI. Just skipping ahead to a topic for another day, POWI is not relevant to the third entitlement period, that is the period beyond 78 weeks post-accident, because when you get into that entitlement period, weekly benefits are based upon a loss of capacity as opposed to a change in POWI. If you'd like to know more about the third entitlement period, you can listen to episode 30 of this podcast series entitled Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Calculating Weekly Payments. Episode 30 seems a long time ago, now that we're north of 100. But there you are. Now, what we've done is gone onto the Syria website and read the um, decisions on the website which have been posted dealing with POWI disputes. These are actual decisions by DRS assessors in real claims. Unfortunately, there have been none posted beyond late 2019. So it's now November and there are no DRS decisions posted on the um, CIRA website for this year. Sarah, if you're listening, we find these decisions very helpful. So if more can be posted down the track, that would be wonderful. It's great to see what's happening at the coalface. So what we've done is prepared a PowerPoint presentation, which you can find a link to the PDF version below this podcast, and selected some of the more interesting decisions made to date in the uh, POWI space by actual DRS assessors, as I said. The first batch, there are a number of different topics gathered together in the uh, PowerPoint presentation, but what I was going to do is start with self-employed claimants. So the first one is a self-employed fisherman. The uh, matter is um, AFF and was decided in 2018. In that particular claim, the injured person was a fisherman who operated a trawler. 
and he sold his catch to a local co-op, which um, proceeded to deduct his fees, taxes, fuel, and other expenses. The remaining profit was then deposited into the injured person's bank account. The issue before the assessor was was how to calculate the claimant's power based upon his self-employed earnings as a fisherman. And the um, claimant argued that the expenses I referred to before should be added back in in order to boost the claimant's profits and therefore his um, power. Noting that in most cases, power is calculated by taking the average amount earned per week over a period of 12 months pre-accident. The um, assessor in that case rejected the argument advanced by the claimant and found that the claimant's power was based on uh, pure profit as set out in the injured person's profit and loss statements. A um, similar argument was advanced by the claimant in the matter of AND, which was decided in 2019. In that matter, the claimant was a self-employed project manager. The claimant argued that his power should be based on his revenue rather than on net profit because some expenses will continue despite him not working. And similar to the earlier case involving the fisherman, the DRS assessor in the claim of AND found that gross earnings refers to, in quotes, net profit or the personal proceeds received by a self-employed earner after deducting business expenses and before taxation, end quote. So it's quite a standard definition of what profit is, and that profit calculation is used to then calculate the claimant's power. So in both the matter of um, AFF and the matter of AND, DRS found that there was no basis for the argument that expenses should be added back into the claimant's profit in order to boost their power, even if those expenses were to continue, despite the injured self-employed person ceasing to work as a consequence of a motor accident. An interesting matter with a similar theme is AHE, which was decided in 2019. In that claim, the injured person was a self-employed architect and the central argument was whether the DRS assessor could take into account dividends earned by the injured person in calculating his PAWE. Now, the reason that was important is because Clause 3 of Schedule 1 to Maya defines what loss of earnings means and um, states that Loss of earnings means a loss incurred or likely to be incurred in a person's income from personal exertion. The clause goes on to say that a person's income from personal exertion includes the things you would expect, such as earnings, salaries, wages, commissions, fees, bonuses, pensions, retiring allowances, and retiring gratuities, and the like, together with any proceeds from any business carried on by the person either alone or in partnership with another person and any amount received as a bounty or subsidy in carrying on a business. Importantly, however, clause 3, subclause 3 of Schedule 1 to Maya says that a person's income from personal exertion does not include a number of things, including interest 
unless the person's principal business consists of lending of money, etc. Superannuation contributions, the monetary amount of any annual sick or other leave entitlements, and importantly, rents or dividends. So Schedule 1 specifically says that dividends are not to be included in the calculation of income from personal exertion. Yet, in the matter of AHE, the DRS assessor found that the dividend payment paid to the um, injured person should be included in their POWI, in the calculation of their POWI. Now, the reason the DRS assessor went against the specific words in Schedule 1 is fairly straightforward. The assessor distinguished between dividends earned as a result of investment activity, such as investing in the share market and earning dividends on those shares, that would not be part of the claimant's personal exertion income and would therefore not be part of their POWI, as opposed to dividends earned as part of the payment structure of a self-employed person in a corporate structure. So many professionals, either self-employed or as part of a, um, a business, earn their income through a mixture of salary and dividends paid by the corporation. If that's the case, those dividends are the result of personal exertion activity and as such can be taken into account in calculating an injured person's POWI. At least so, so found the assessor in the matter of AHE. Now, the next case I found interesting is ADC, which was decided in 2019. This is more of a case of proof rather than the uh, methodology in calculating POWI. In ADC, the injured person was the director of a business. The insurer requested the claimant's um, pay slips in order to calculate their, well, calculate what they'd earned over the 12 month period before the accident in order to use the average which would then be used to calculate the injured person's POWI. But in this case, the injured person had no pay slips. They were a director of the business. The um, claimant provided PAYG summaries and tax returns, and the um, DRS assessor found that the claimant could not provide pay slips because they simply didn't exist in um, that particular injured person's role. And the assessor ultimately used the other documents I referred to PAYG summaries and tax returns in order to calculate the claimant's historical earnings and therefore their POWI. The final two cases which leapt out from the Sura website deal with a change in circumstances. Now, a discussion of those two cases requires a quick look at subclause 4.2b of Schedule 1 to Maya which states that if subclause 3 applies, that's basically a change in circumstances, the weekly average of the gross earnings received by the earner as an earner during the period from when the change of circumstances referred to in that subclause occurred to immediately before the day of the motor accident. So essentially, that subclause provides that where an injured person has a change in circumstances in the period in the 12 months before the accident and their normal earnings increase as a consequence, in order to calculate POWI, you take the um, total amount earned between the date of the change and the accident, 
divide by the number of weeks in that period in order to arrive at the pre-accident average weekly earnings. In the matter of AEX, the um, injured person was a domestic helper pre-accident. The claimant arranged casual employment as a waitress before the accident, but importantly had not yet commenced that employment. And the DRS assessor found that the um, subclause I just referred to, 4.2b, prima facie applied because there was a change in circumstances, but had no actual impact on the calculation of POWI because there was no change to the outcome. Now, what the assessor found was that because the claimant had not yet received the increased income, there was no actual change in circumstances at the time of the accident. So the assessor interpreted the clause very strictly and focused on the words received by the owner as an owner during the period from when the change of circumstances referred to occurred. And because the word received is in the past tense, found that the change had to be implemented before the accident in order for that subclause to take effect. So the outcome was that the injured person's power was calculated by reference to their income before the change in circumstances. In this instance, before the change to becoming self-employed as a waitress. Contrast that to the matter of ADZ, a 2019 decision. In that claim, the injured person was injured in a motor accident in um, June 2018. The claimant had received a pay rise effective from, from 1 May 2018, so the prior month. So in that case, in contrast to the matter of AEX, the injured person in ADZ had the benefit of their change in circumstances already in place and implemented and received, that's the important word, received, prior to the accident in June and the month following the pay rise. So in that claim, the injured person's POWI was based upon the increased income from the date of the pay rise averaged out over the period between the pay rise and the motor accident. So I hope that analysis is helpful. Just some of the cases on the CIRA website dealing with POWI disputes. As I said earlier, there's been none posted in this calendar year, so they're somewhat out of date, but they do give listeners an insight into what assessors are actually doing at the coalface in POWI disputes. So just finishing off with some takeaway points. There's only three. Firstly, if the claimant was self-employed, their POWI is measured by their gross revenue, less all business expenses before tax. So that's their gross profit, which translates into their weekly gross income or their POWI. Secondly, where the claimant alleges a change in circumstances, their POWI is the weekly average of their income for the whole of the period after the change. And where the claimant alleges a change in circumstances, the change only applies in the calculation of POWI if the claimant has received that changed income before the accident. So there we have it. Thank you again for listening. I appreciate uh, your commitment to this podcast series. If you have any questions, let me know. If you have any podcast topics, let me know that too. In the meantime, it's very dangerous out there, so whatever you do as you go about your daily life, please always maintain a proper lookout. 
Cheerio. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Proper Lookout Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. For more information on anything discussed, please contact Peter Hunt at peter.hunt at mccabecurwood.com.au or visit our website to see McCabe Curwood's full team of specialists.